0: When you think of Jesus, as we've obviously been reminded of this morning, what do you think about? Do you think about the miracles that he performed and some of the amazing things that he did? Or maybe do you think about his teachings and the things that he corrected us on and the things that he told us we need to be busy doing? More than likely, one thing you probably think about is his death. The way that he died on the cross for our sins and he rose again. And most certainly the scripture points out to us something that we should often think about. And we were reminded of this morning as well. Is that Jesus of course is the Lamb of God. John proclaimed in John chapter 1 and verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know Jesus has many names that we like to tout. We like to shout about and by no means do I use that word in a um, disrespectful term but in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 he says his name will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace we love to talk about the love and the compassion of God which we've talked about this morning Isaiah chapter 40 verse 11 is a very lovely and touching verse he says he will feed his flocks like a shepherd he will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead them Or lead those who are young. And we preach and repeat over and over, of course, the grace and the mercy of God. 2 John verse 3 says, grace and mercy and peace will be with you from God and the Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. But what about another description? I love to, to talk about and to think about those things we just mentioned, things we've been reminded of this morning. But there's something that I need to be reminded of quite often. And that comes from Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. Do you ever think about Jesus as a lion? Again, we always talk about the Lamb of God. But what about the lion of Judah? If you read a lot of Jesus' stories, especially whenever he's dealing with the Pharisees and the unbelieving Jews... The best words I can come up with is he is outrageously ferocious and aggressive. We like to talk to people. We don't want to hurt their feelings, want to be nice and easy. And I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm talking about me just as much or more than anybody else. But Jesus went after some folks. And it's not that he's necessarily aggressive against people. But he was extremely aggressive against sin. He didn't dance around it. He didn't try to make you feel okay-ish about it. He went after it. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 to 37. Listen to what Jesus says. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. My brother, my dad, and my mom are here. I better love them or I'm going to get in trouble. But do I love them more than the Lord? Again, look at the very first thing Jesus says. I didn't come to bring peace, but I brought a sword. Now, a whole different study goes into what exactly that sword is and what he means by that. And we don't have time for that this morning. But remember that Jesus came to this world with a sword. Think about also what he talked about in Luke, or what happened in Luke chapter 4. This is a very neat story. It's extremely short, but very neat. Jesus stood up in the synagogue to teach like he often did. And unfortunately, there was this fella who was possessed by a demon who was causing a ruckus. He kept interrupting, kept bringing up things. And I don't know about you, I've been in some worship services where that's happened. And usually what happens is a leader or two or six, depending on how many want to get up, will go up and quietly go back address the man, and quietly escort him out of the building. That's not what Jesus did. Not even close. First of all, from the way I gather it, and I could be wrong on this, I'll admit it, he keeps teaching, but then he gets tired of it, and he says, be quiet and come out. Now, as you can tell, I'm not nearly as loud as the two fellows before me. My dad can be louder than me. So I don't do a good job at... Probably matching Jesus' aggression and intensity in addressing this demon, this manifestation, if you will, of evil and sin. There's no, will you please quiet down? Or, hey, can you wait a minute? I've had to do that relatively recently. Hey, can you hold on just a minute and then we'll get to you. It's just instantly and right on top of it, the Lord jumps on a sinful situation. Not that the man was speaking out of turn necessarily, but it's because he was addressing this demon. No dancing around it. He's on top of it. What's quickly become one of my favorite stories, or becoming, I should say, not quite there yet, is the resurrection of Lazarus in John chapter 11. Now usually whenever we read this story or go through it, at least this is the way I've done it until... Uh, the past year or two, I read this story and I think about a sad funeral. Every funeral I've ever been to is extremely sad. Shocker. And we, we get depressed and we cry. Uh, we get uncomfortable because we're not comfortable in such sad and depressing situations, all these various things. That's not quite how Jesus showed up, at least from what I gather in this passage. Jesus shows up and I'm going to do a terrible... Uh, summary of this because I don't have the time. But he shows up to this funeral and he sees a sinful situation. What I mean by that is Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says that death is a cause of sin. So Jesus shows up to this situation and he sees an enemy of death. And look at the way he shows up in John chapter 11 and verse 33. Upon his arrival, the Bible says, When Jesus saw her being Martha weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. Now, I always read that to mean Jesus kind of went, uh, oh, and was sad about the situation. Now, upon further investigation of this term groaned, it's not a oh, mourning sort of sound, if you will. But rather... It is defined the, well, first of all, the, the, the new living translation, if you read that, uh, translates it as a deep anger welled up within him. This term means to snort with anger, to have indignation on, to blame, to sigh with, to, sh- to sigh with chagrin, to sternly instruct, straightly charge, groan murmur against This is a term. Of anger, not of sadness. What's he angry about? Because again, his enemy death, man's enemy death, which is from sin, is present. Whenever I think about snorting with anger, I think think about my horse, Sidney, who none of y'all know. He was a giant black horse, stood just over five feet tall at his shoulders, and then he's got the neck and head on top of that. He was a big fella. At night, you could not see him. But you always know when he and something else was out there. You couldn't see him, but you could always hear Sidney snorting with anger because there was something else there that, was, that did not belong. That's what's going on here. Jesus is angry at this situation. And then we go down to verse 43. Jesus, he has his interaction with Mary, with Martha, which he shows empathy, compassion, and love, and concern, and all those things that we love to talk about and we should talk about. So don't, don't think I'm trying to brush those aside. He shows all of those aspects of the the wonderful love of God. But then in verse 43, he gets to the tomb. And something very interesting to me happens. I've never seen happen at a funeral before. He shouts, he starts yelling at the dead guy to get up. Now again, I'm not going to do it justice. I'm not quite as loud as some other folks. The Bible says, now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus. Come forth. Now, this term, the part that's interesting to me, this term, a loud voice, is used in another place, also involving Jesus in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 24. Jesus is on a boat with his disciples. The Bible says, Suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with waves. You know what word we're comparing with Jesus shouting with a loud voice? The great tempest. Jesus didn't go, "Um, Excuse me, Lazarus, sir, if you would not mind, please get up. Why is Jesus shouting at Lazarus to get up? It's because he's confronting death, this sinful situation that has come upon man. He's attacking, he's going after this enemy. With what I read as the equivalent of gale force winds, he goes after death. Sorry, I'm trying to figure out where I need to go because we're running out of time. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. But there's one more situation, there's a lot of situations, but there is one more situation that we might think of as far as Jesus being extremely aggressive, that's found in John chapter 2, we'll fly through this example as well. In John chapter 2, Jesus goes to Jerusalem to observe the Passover, and he goes into the temple, what does he find? He finds cows, sheep, birds being sold, and then a bunch of people exchanging money. What does he do? He does something very interesting. Instead of going and finding the priest quietly and saying, excuse me, sir, what's happening? Or even going up to the priest, excuse me, sir, don't you know that this is wrong? No, the Bible says in John chapter 2, verse 15, when he, listen to this, I know you know the story, but when he made a whip of cords, He drove them all out of the temple, the sheep, the oxen, and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. First of all, how long does it take to make a whip? I have no idea. But there's enough time involved to where you can think about what you're going to do with that whip. Plenty of time to think, it's probably not the best idea. But Jesus went through with it. Didn't have any second thoughts. Wasn't concerned about what the ramifications were going to be. Jesus made a whip of cords and went in and started swinging. I have a question. Do you think Jesus made contact with anybody? And I'm serious. I can argue both sides of that, saying yes he did or no he didn't. I really want to know. It doesn't actually matter. But Jesus, he went in there with, um, with predetermined aggression. Because he knew what he was going to do, he knew the difficulty, the difficult task he took upon himself to drive out cows, sheep, birds, and people with one guy, and he went after them. But not only that, he went through a sustained aggression. Have you ever even tried to move one cow from one place to another with more than one person? It can be extremely difficult. If you're a noob like me, it's outrageously difficult and downright impossible. But Jesus did that with I don't know how many. It doesn't really matter. He did that with cows, sheep and oxen. It takes time. And he kept it up. He continually went after the sinful situation. But not only that, Jesus had intimidating aggression because how many people stepped up to stop him? We have zero record of anybody saying, excuse me, sir, you can't do that in here. Jesus drove them all out. From the outsider's perspective, Jesus went nuts and turned into a wild man. But it's all because of what David wrote and the disciples remembered in John chapter 2 and verse 17. Zeal for your house has eaten me up. Jesus was extremely aggressive and ferocious with sin. Do not ever forget that. And that's why we need to be busy preaching and going out into the fields. Because of how serious the Lord takes sin. Very quickly. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 2 and verse 16. Repent or else I will come to you quickly. Not slowly with a warning. I will come to you quickly and fight against you with the sword of my mouth. I want to leave you with this description of Jesus very quickly in Revelation chapter 19 verses 11 through 16. The Bible says, Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse, which was an instrument of war by the way. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true and righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in, in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself... with. Um, Excuse me, he himself will rule rule with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of fierceness with the wrath of the almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written Lord of Lords and King of Kings.